Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. What's up, Revision? I hope all you guys are doing well, and wherever you're tuning in from this morning, I hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And also that you're not feeling too terribly sick from all the junk food you ate over the course of the last week. I'm guessing I'm not the only one who walked into this season with a plan to at least make a half effort to not shove every single thing that looked good to me down my throat. But the thing is, I have a weakness for Oreo balls and gingerbread cookies and really any cookies with Red Hots on them. If you're not a Red Hot person, what can I say? You're wrong and I will fight you. They're delicious. So is really most of the food we eat from Thanksgiving to New Year's, which probably explains the recent article I read that says the average American puts on a couple pounds during the holiday season on an annual basis. And I just do not have a hard time believing that at all. And honestly, I'd like to think this is at least one area in my life where I'm above average. But really, it's hard not to have that experience like at least once over the Christmas season where you eat too much junk food and then you feel stuffed and a little bit ill. And if you didn't do that this year, I'm genuinely proud of you. Congratulations. But let's be real, most of us have been there at one point or another, even though we know it's not good for us. I mean, we live in a society, thanks to advancements in modern science and medicine, where we're increasingly conscientious about everything we put into our bodies because we know our bodies are built to run on certain things. And so if we're going to function properly, we need to fill up on those things and not fill ourselves up with things that inhibit us, both now and in the future from having bodies that are healthy and working properly, right? Now this morning, as we kick off a brand new year, as we look ahead to all the opportunities that lie in front of us in 2022, I want to ask you a question. How much time have you spent looking at recipes, cooking, shopping for groceries, etc.? How much time have you spent in the last month thinking about what you're putting into your body? You can tell the person sitting next to you, you can type it into the chat, or you can just answer it in your head. But how much time have you spent about like considering what you're putting into your body. Now, follow-up question. How much time have you spent in that same time frame thinking about what you're putting into your soul? And what are you putting into your soul? What are you filling your soul up with? I think if we're going to make the most of 2022, we got to answer that question. Because the Bible paints this picture of humans as holistic beings with a body and a soul that are intimately connected with one another. And it tells us our souls, just like our bodies, are built to be nourished and filled up with something. There's something our souls are built to run on. And if we're starving them or we're just feeding them junk, there are serious consequences. We miss out on the fullness of life as it was meant to be lived. And we produce an unhealthy next generation as we set a poor example for our kids. And we starve their souls. We fill their souls up with junk as well. And all this begs the question, if we want to be fully healthy... If you want to live the lives we were made for, the abundant lives Jesus promised he came to liberate us to, if you want to experience life as it was designed to be lived and as we were created, wired, knit together and put here to live, what is it we need to be filling up our souls with? Well, this morning I want to open up Psalm 42 to answer that question. But before we read it, I have a confession about this psalm. I grew up going to camp every summer, and this song got turned into a corny church camp song that we sang way too much, and I hated it for a really long time. 
And then I was in Haiti for the first time about a decade ago, and I couldn't understand a single word of Creole. But we were sitting in church, and they sang that song. And it's one of those moments you never forget, because I was able to sing along in English while they were singing it in Creole, and their worship leader, uh, she had one of the most incredible voices I've ever heard in my life, and I started bawling my eyes out right there in the middle of church in Port-au-Prince, like messy crying, because I was like, this is what heaven is going to be like, and it is so good. And then immediately after that song ended, they called me up on stage and I had to talk, and I looked like a puffy-eyed snot-nosed idiot, but... Long story short, I love that song again, and I love the first couple verses of this psalm. They read like this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You guys, our souls are built to run on God. We're meant to be filled up with Him. We need God like we need water, desperately and daily. And here's the crazy thing. God actually wants to fill us up with his presence. In fact, Jesus promises us once we put our faith in him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and gives us the opportunity to be filled by God every minute of every day. And so the question is, what does it mean for us to be filled up with the Holy Spirit? And I want to start by explaining what it doesn't mean, because there's a number of misconceptions and terms that get used differently by different people. And so I want to be clear. When we talk about being filled with the Spirit, When the Bible uses that phrase, it is not just an emotional, warm, fuzzy feeling type of an experience. You may feel warm and fuzzy, and that could be God, or it could be the leftover pizza you ate for lunch. Like, I don't know, but that's not the definition of being spirit-filled. It's also not something reserved for super Christians instead of ordinary folks. Like, oh, maybe, maybe Jeremy and Jeff can be filled with the Spirit, but not me. No, it's actually God's design for every one of us. And lastly, it's not having the Holy Spirit come into your heart. It's important to understand that, biblically speaking, having the Holy Spirit inside of you does not necessarily mean that you are living full of the Spirit. That's why so many Christians all around us are living ordinary lives. Like, all believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. At the moment of conversion, the moment of faith, the Bible teaches we are forgiven, justified, and the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. But that's just step one. That's the starting line of the Christian life. And so what does actually filling up our souls with God look like? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a hit in Ephesians chapter 5. Starting in verse 17, he writes this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is kind of a cool passage. Paul commands believers to be filled with the Spirit. And the context of that command actually helps us understand what he means by that. The first thing that jumps out, at least to me, is that Paul places being filled with the Spirit right next to being drunk on wine. And that could be an accident, but it's it's totally not an accident. This is an intentional metaphor. Like, we all know what DUI stands for, right? Driving under the influence. Now, can you drive in the United States if you are drunk on wine? Actually, (laughs) pause, rephrase, better question. Should you drive in the United States or anywhere if you're drunk on wine? I'm going to hope you all shouted no at your screen or at least vigorously shook your heads. You shouldn't. You can't legally. Why? Because you are under the influence of alcohol. And that makes you behave in a way you would not normally behave. It changes the way you function. But the catch is you have to ingest the alcohol for that to happen. 
You have to drink the wine. You can like, or you, you could have booze spilled all over your clothes. You could reek of it. But unless it's been ingested, it won't change the way you function. Once you drink it, though, it'll have an effect and you'll be under the influence of alcohol. And so you can't drive or operate heavy machinery at that point. And Paul cautions, do not get drunk on wine. Don't do that, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So why does he smash those together? What in the world is he insinuating? Well, what he's saying is that being filled with the Spirit means you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit makes you behave in a way you would not normally behave. It changes the way you function. But see, the Spirit of God has to be ingested for that to happen. You can show up for church every Sunday, every, every Tuesday, every Wednesday. You can go to every seminar or every retreat that's ever offered until your clothes smell like church. Or if you went to church camp like me, smell like dead squirrel because camps can get pretty smelly. But until you internalize it, until you allow God to invade your life in an intimate way, until you surrender your thoughts and your words and your heart to him, it will not change the way you live. Paul makes it clear here that being filled with the Spirit is like being drunk. It means that the self comes under the influence of another, of an external power, and the results are obvious. If they aren't obvious, you aren't under the influence. And if you are under the influence, then your behavior changes. And this command Paul gives us to be filled with the Spirit comes in the context of a whole bunch of stuff Paul says about living the way God calls us to live and about worshiping God. And the upshot of that is this. In Ephesians 5, Paul paints a picture for you and me of how we can live the lives we were made to live, how we can make the difference God put us here to make, how we can find meaning and hope and joy. And he says we can do all of that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that the Spirit-filled life is one where the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the way God made us to live and be the people he created us to be. The word for power in Greek is dunamis which is the same word where we get the root for, for dynamite, power, explosive, power. But the basic definition of dunamis is simply the ability to do. The ability to do. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The ability to do life the way it was designed to be done. The way that it'll give us the maximum level of meaning and satisfaction. The ability to live out the dreams God has placed inside our souls so the question is, how do we get there? How do we make that happen? And Paul's really simple answers in Ephesians 5 are worship and community. Worship and community. He writes, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, this idea that we are filled up with God's Spirit in a way that makes us more fully human and more fully alive through connection to God and connection to one another is not just found in Ephesians 5. It's a thread woven throughout all of Scripture. And that's why two of Revision's five core values are loved people do life with people and created people connect to the Creator. This stuff matters and it changes everything for us. We see evidence that this is true, not just in our own lives, but in all the accounts we read throughout the Bible of people who are described as being filled with the Spirit of God. There are a couple unmistakable things about all of those people. First, their lives were defined by worship. They were people committed to bringing honor to the Almighty King, to spending time in communion, or in communion and communication with Him, and to lifting up His name. These are individuals who are consumed by God's glory. 
just dedicating to see it fill up every square inch of the universe. There were people who recognized God's presence everywhere they were. My favorite poem is by Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and I know that most of you have heard it before because I probably throw it on the screen in a message about once every three months, but I love it because I think if we got consumed by the glory of God, everything would change for us. This is the poem, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. Like spirit-filled people see God's glory and presence everywhere. And the other defining characteristic of spirit-filled people is this. Their lives are lived in community. Not one of these individuals in the Bible kept the message to him or herself. They didn't receive the filling of the spirit for their own sake so they could feel happy or feel fulfilled and have some sort of self-indulgent, inward-focused faith. They realized that being filled up with the presence and love of God meant they had a responsibility to the people around them to serve, to give, to encourage, to unite, to love, to uplift, to guide and direct. Spirit-filled people are highly concerned with fellowship and community, with reaching out and giving the best of themselves away to all the people around them. So here's the deal. As we kick off 2022, my prayer is that all of us would make the most of the year ahead. And that we take seriously the idea that what we're feeding our souls matters even more than what we're feeding our bodies. If it's junk, if it's not the stuff we're built to run on, we won't function properly. We won't be able to live fully. And so it matters that we get our souls filled up with the Holy Spirit and that we live under the Spirit's influence. Because when we do, we are more fully alive and more fully equipped to make the difference God put us here to make, to create a better future for all the people we crash into. And I I want that for you guys. I want it for me. I want it for revision. And so I got two simple invitations that go hand in hand with Paul's twofold description of how to be more filled with the presence of the Spirit of God in Ephesians 5. The first one is this, set aside at least 10 minutes a day this year. Look, that's not much. It's really small. It's like half of 1% of your day. Nobody, and I mean nobody, doesn't have 10 minutes a day. I want you to pick when, preferably the same time every day, pick where, and decide that in 2022, this year, try it for just one year. If you hate it, quit it in 23, or quit it in 2023, but decide that this year you're taking 10 minutes every day to connect with God. Read the Bible, pray, listen to worship music, sing worship music if you're less tone deaf than me. I don't actually sing on my own to God because I don't want to offend him, but... You know, like, really though, if you can set aside more time, it'll be awesome. Like, I guarantee you, and so would any of the rest of us at Revision who set aside more time than that on a daily basis, but I guarantee you, like, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. I would bet my bottom dollar on it. I guarantee you, you will not regret doing this for one second. I promise. No matter who you are, where you are, how old you are, start with just 10 minutes, at least 10 minutes a day. That's it. And do it every day. Connect with God, hear from God, talk to God, worship God, and give him space to fill you and then see what happens. And challenge number two, make community a priority. Again, I'm not wrong on this, and I bet you anything you wanted to bet me, if you decide right now that in 2022 you're going to fight to make connecting to God's people a bigger priority in your life, you will not regret it at the end of this year. Like I know the pandemic's been crazy. For all of us, the last two years have been draining and they've presented a whole host of challenges to actually getting together and gathering. 
But I dare you to choose now to make connecting with God's people a priority in your life again. Something that goes on the front end of your schedule rather than the back end. And not just on Sunday mornings, though they make a huge difference, but also house groups. Be there. And if you're not in one, huge news. This week, we're kicking off a new 10-week session of groups. So the next couple weeks are a great, no-strings-attached chance to try out a house group. And if you don't like it, it's over in a couple months. And if you do, you found community. Because the Bible is clear. Community helps us get full. Full of life and full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the God we need in order to be all we were made to be. Worship and community. I dare you to make them happen this year and see what God does in 2022. Because you guys, there is nothing, nothing that says this cannot be the best year yet for all of us. And I really do believe from the bottom of my soul that the best is yet to come. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this new year. Thank you for what lies ahead of us. And thank you for being a God who's willing to fill us, mind, soul, and body, so that we can walk out into a hurting world and live the lives you created us to live and make the difference you put us here to make. Lord, I pray that this year worship and community would be priorities in in my life and in the life of, of every single person watching this so that we could be filled with the fuel we need to live abundantly and to make a difference. We thank you for the opportunity to connect with you and connect with one another as a gift, and we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen.